Okay. It's a bit if you want to give it one more go. Okay, work away. Well, I'd like to thank Mr. Toms. Do you need this, by the way? For your own reading or anything? Are you okay? You okay? That's a good job, you know. I've got to get that myself, you know. I'll do a spot for my glasses for that there. That's a good, that's a good job. Yeah, if I could just, you know, out of all these good books, and some I don't have, I would love to have, but uh, if I could just say, um, I recommend this book. Uh, I know Mr. Toms has spoken highly of it there. I got this book, the different version of it there, but uh, it really helped me. Uh, I think it's a brilliant book. Uh, they're all good books. I don't have some of them, so I can't spit. This one I do have. Uh, I, I recommend this book. Uh, and this will get you started, get you going. And uh, That's an excellent book. So if you don't have it, I certainly uh, recommend that you do get that one. So it is always a joy to be here, a different occasion as well. Obviously now we are in London. Uh, we received the call to become the minister of South Grove Free Presbyterian Church. We had our ordination there in October and some of the attenders of the congregation are here tonight. We thank them for their sacrifice in coming and no others wanted to be here as well but unfortunately they said to me they were not able to come because something happened but they said to me they'll watch it online and so I know like many uh, that will not be the case tonight but nonetheless we're glad you are here. Uh, I didn't realise when Mr. Tom said to me in the back, you know, two years ago, you were one of the last ones here. I thought well, that's how, how, how well the message went. We had to close down for two years. So it's only right that I start back again and see if I can undo all the damage that was done. And so I pray the Lord will give us help. So thank you, uh, Mr. Toms, again for inviting me uh, to come back to minister God's precious word. You have in your Bible there Daniel chapter 2. <clears throat> if you can also turn to uh, keep a, a finger in Daniel 2. I want to read uh, Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. And really, I just maybe read the one first, but uh, Luke chapter 21, I certainly take time to read this whole chapter. It is a wonderful chapter. But I'll just read the first, first or the Luke 21, verse 24. The Lord says, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall lead away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his word. We'll just unite together in prayer and seek the Lord at this time. Our Heavenly Father, Eternal God, we Thank thee, O God, that has brought us for this time, Lord, that we can spend together. We thank thee and we rejoice that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And Father, we look forward to that day when our Saviour will come back in all his glory. And Father, we pray, O God, until he does come back, help us, O God, to rejoice in him and to be busy about the things of God. We pray now, Lord, as we minister thy word, Lord, give us help. We pray, O God, that will bless us. Stand beside me, fill me with the Holy Ghost. And Father, we pray, O God, that thou wilt minister to each and every one this night. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The free is the times of the Gentiles was spoken by our Lord Jesus Christ as we read in Luke chapter 21, verse 24, when he said, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. The Saviour having spoken of certain 
events and signs that would take place before the end of the age, then focused on events surrounding Jerusalem just before he returned. For instance, in Luke chapter 21, verse 20, and that's why we can't go through every single verse, but the Lord said, When ye shall see Jerusalem come past with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. It is the desolation in Daniel 9:27 and Matthew 24, verse 15. Then onwards, as the Saviour said in verse 24 of Luke 21, Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. The word trodden down means to be oppressed, means to rule over, means to be persecuted. And therefore the Saviour is saying that Jerusalem shall be trodden down, oppressed, persecuted by the Gentiles. The word Gentiles signifies heathen nations. But in the Saviour's words it's interesting to pick up something that he said in that statement. Christ makes it clear that the times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. They will come to an end. He continued on at that time will be in verse 27 when he returns. They shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So the times of the Gentiles will come to an end. They will be fulfilled. But the Lord also spoke then. Since the times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. Then it means there was a time when the times of the Gentiles began. And that's what we want to look at tonight. The times when the Gentiles began. And we want to take that theme as it has been given. The times of the Gentiles. So notice first of all with me. The commencement of the times of the Gentiles. In the days of Moses as God's servant. Was preparing the nation of Israel to enter into the promised land. Moses began to give instruction to God's people. And he said to them, if they obeyed the Lord, as they listened to God's word and God's ways. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1. Then the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. Verse 13 of Deuteronomy 28. The Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only. And shall not be beneath. So Moses was giving a principle to God's people. Where there is obedience to God's word. God's will. God's way. Then blessings will follow. Because obedience and blessings always go together. When we obey the Lord. The Lord blesses us. Them that honour him. He will honour But Moses also spoke to God's people in Deuteronomy 28 verse 15 about them what would happen if they would disobey, if they would not listen to the voice of God. He said, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes which I command thee this day, That all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Verse 43. The stranger that is within thee 
shall get up above thee very high, and thou shalt come down very low. And then the end of verse 44, he shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. That's what we can see God saying, if you bless me, you will be high above, you will be honoured, you will have the word for the nations, but you disobey, then your enemies will come over you, you will be brought down, you will be beneath. And again we know during the times of Israel in the land, they knew blessings from David and Solomon, but then after the time came when the nation fell into sin. They departed from the Lord. Again, Solomon in his great prayer in the book of Chronicles brings that before the Lord. And so the people fell into sin and God kept his word. He permitted the Babylonians to come, their enemies, and take them into captivity lasting 70 years. Those who were spared by the Babylonians were taken as prisoners into Babylon. Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was ruined. And therefore the king of Babylon at this time was Nebuchadnezzar. And it is from that time, that occasion, that Jerusalem would be trodden down, ruled over, oppressed, commencing the times of the Gentiles. Babylon became the head above Israel. Israel was trodden down. Jerusalem was trodden down and will be and continues to be until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. As consequence of Israel's sin, their place of dominance was taken away. Blessings were withheld. The glory of the Lord had departed, but not permanently. Because we understand from Romans chapter 11 verse 2, that God has not cast away his people which he foreknew. God still has a purpose for his ancient people. And that will come to pass at his return. But until the Saviour returns that means we are still living in the times of the Gentiles. The times of the Gentiles have not come to an end. Christ has not yet returned. Therefore Gentile nations... They are still dominant, oppressing the nation of Israel. Even today, Jerusalem is still trodden underfoot. The enemies of Israel, enemies of God, continually seek to come against Jerusalem, against Israel, to wipe it out. And therefore the Lord instructs us in Psalm 122 to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And in praying for the peace of Jerusalem, it is praying for the times of the Gentiles to be fulfilled. It is praying thy kingdom come. It's looking for that time when Christ will come back in all his glory. God's prophetic promises are immutable and irreversible. They will all be faithfully fulfilled because the Lord Jesus Christ said, In John chapter 14 verse 3. I will come again. And therefore we believe that. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. And while we know there is much uh, against that today. 
But man's thoughts, man's opinions, man's way, even all that's happening in the city of Jerusalem to try and stop the coming of the Lord. Nothing will stop the Saviour's return because he will come back in all his glory. Praise the Lord. The Saviour is coming back. And therefore, until he returns, believer, obey him. Live for him. Seek to honour him. Be busy about the Father's business. Prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. Urge them to flee the wrath to come. Give them the way of life. Give them the word of God. By trusting only in the sinless life and sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. As the only way to have sins forgiven. And therefore, if men and women don't own Jesus Christ as their saviour on earth, they will meet them as their judge in death. And therefore, what about you in this room tonight? How do you stand with the Lord? Those listening this message while it is maybe getting put on the internet or, or by recording, whoever listens to this message, where do you stand with the Lord? Oh, that you will come to Jesus Christ. So that is the commencement of the times of the Gentiles began with Nebuchadnezzar. Notice then secondly the course of the times of the Gentiles. The phrase the times of the Gentiles or the word times means a season, refers to a period of time. And so we have stated this season, this period of time began with King Nebuchadnezzar. And therefore we go back then to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2 is a key portion for Bible prophecy. It is a, a map that maps out the course of the times of the Gentiles. And this course, this map, marks the period of four empires or four, or, or four kingdoms. We read of these kingdoms or these empires... In Daniel chapter 2, 7 and 8, and other uh, scriptural references throughout God's word. The same information is given, but the symbolism changes from metals to animals uh, to beasts, but all pointing and referring to the same terrible image given to Nebuchadnezzar in a dream. What we have here then in Daniel 2 is Daniel, God's man, being promoted to a position. A dream is given to Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel is then going to interpret that dream. As verse 45 states. Of what shall come to pass hereafter. Daniel interprets the dream. By the help of God. Who reveals its meaning to God's man. He tells Daniel the meaning of this dream. What will or what shall be in the latter days? And such days included Daniel's time and include uh, our time and includes days still to come until the second coming of Christ. It's interesting to note that the answer is made known to Daniel as he sought God in prayer. Daniel just didn't jump into the matter, he came before God in prayer. And surely, there is a lesson there. Always seek the mind of God. Always come before the Lord in prayer. 
Don't give advice. Don't jump into anything without seeking the Lord in prayer. And therefore from verses 19 to verse 24 of Daniel chapter 2. Daniel is in prayer and God reveals the matter of the dream to him. And Daniel says in verse 23. Thou hast made known unto us the king's matter. And therefore God gives the details. What shall be in the latter days. Those things that God has revealed to Daniel. About what will happen in future days. And therefore child of God. We have the word of God before us. As Deuteronomy 29 verse 29 states. We have those things that have been revealed. That they belong unto us and to our children. God has given us his word. And therefore we're not to make up what's going to happen at the end. We are to come to God's precious word. Because God's word is our guide. God's word is our final authority. God has given us his word for our learning and instruction. Therefore, as you read the word of God, pray for understanding. Seek the mind of God. Seek the will of God about things hereafter. Because the Lord Jesus said in John 15 verse 15. All things that I have heard of my father I have made known unto you. And therefore God wants you to know about things coming to the end. God has given us his word. Therefore can I ask before we go on. Are you reading the word of God? Have you read God's word today? Have you read God's word this week? Are you being fed on the manna? Have you spent time in prayer? Oh Daniel. Daniel came and prayed to God. And God revealed unto him matters concerning this dream. Concerning things that would happen in days to come. And therefore, child of God, get into the word of God and let the word of God get into you. Notice, as we think of the course of the Gentiles, let's look at these four kingdoms. The first kingdom is Babylon. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed a dream. And in his dream, there was an image. And in verse 32, we read, this image head was of fine gold. And who is presented then by this head of gold? Notice the words spoken by Daniel to King Nebuchadnezzar at the end of verse 38. Thou art this head of gold. And so we are clear that the head of gold presents the kingdom of Babylon. Speaking of Nebuchadnezzar. The kingdom of Babylon it dominated. It seemed unstoppable. God said in Daniel 2 verse 37. Or Daniel said the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom power and strength and glory. So the first kingdom is Babylon. Represented by this head of gold. It is also in Daniel 7 verse 4. The, described by the lion. But Daniel, as he continues speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, 
He then says in verse 39, And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. So Nebuchadnezzar, there's the first kingdom. But his kingdom then will be conquered. And another kingdom will come. So then there will be a second kingdom. A second empire. Well who is this kingdom? We learn it is the Medes and the Persians. Again Daniel 5 verse 28. Thy kingdom. Talking to, um, uh, talking to uh, Nebuchadnezzar's son. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. We learn in Daniel 5, then verse 31, and Darius the Median took the kingdom. So we learn then that Babylon, the first kingdom, the second kingdom is the Medes and the Persians. The Medes and the Persians, they were two people, but one kingdom. That's why Daniel says in Daniel 2, verse 32, when he refers to arms, not one arm. The second kingdom then is uh, presented by the, sil- the metal silver. We learn in Daniel 2 verse 32. His breast and his arms of silver. Again it's presented by the animal Aram. Daniel chapter 8 verse 20. The ram which thou sawest having two horns are the king's. Of Media and Persia. The second kingdom then is also represented by the beast of Daniel 7, verse 5, as a bear. So the first kingdom is Babylon. Then after Babylon comes the Medes and the Persians. But then we learn again as Daniel interprets this dream. He continues speaking to Nebuchadnezzar. And then he says in Daniel chapter 2 verse 39. And another third kingdom of brass which shall bear rule over the earth. So another kingdom shall arise. So you've got Babylon. Then you've got the Medes and the Persians. Now we come to a third kingdom. Who is this third kingdom? It is the kingdom or the empire of Greece. And who was the ruler of Greece at that time? It was Alexander the Great. And so he defeated the Grecians, or the Medes, and the Persians. And so this third empire, this third kingdom, is represented by uh, brass. Daniel 2, verse 32. His belly and his thighs of brass. This third kingdom is also represented by uh, a rough goat Daniel 8 verse 21 and the rough goat is the king of Grecia the third kingdom is also represented in Daniel 7 verse 6 as the leopard so there as Daniel speaks to Nebuchadnezzar of the course of the Gentiles what this dream is revealing he is revealing That as God gives kingdoms and brings down kingdoms. God's given you a kingdom. But then your kingdom will be conquered by a second kingdom. And then that kingdom will be conquered by a third kingdom. But then there's more. Because we learn that after Daniel chapter 2 verse 40. There is a fourth 
kingdom. So Babylon is replaced by the Medes and the Persians. The Medes and the Persians, they're replaced then by the kingdom of Greece. And then Greece is conquered by a fourth kingdom. And I would suggest to you that that is the kingdom of Rome, the empire of Rome. Daniel chapter 2, verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as Aaron. Now Daniel does not state that the fourth kingdom is Rome. But in Daniel 11, verse 2, we learn that the fourth shall be far richer than they all. And by his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Grecia. So it was, we learn in history, that the Roman kingdom conquered the kingdom of Greece, defeating Alexander. This fourth kingdom is represented in Daniel 7, verse 17, by the fourth beast. Though this fourth beast is not mentioned by name, but it is described as a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces. And so that points to Rome, the fourth kingdom, as in the course of history. Rome strong as iron, a repetition uh, for crushing its enemies like iron. But what is interesting to learn is that there's no fifth kingdom mentioned. No fifth kingdom spoken at all. The other kingdoms from Babylon were succeeded. But Rome, the fourth kingdom, was not succeeded. Rather, the fourth kingdom was divided into two parts. One stronger and the other weaker. Separated into many kingdoms. Notice Daniel chapter 2, verse 33. It does not speak of a leg, but legs and feet and toes. Daniel 2, verse 41. And whereas thou sawest the feet and the toes, part of the potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. And so the two parts of the fourth kingdom that are divided, the two legs, covered uh, both Western and Eastern Europe. So you have the legs, the two legs. But then what about the ten toes? What do they mean? What do they symbolize? What do they represent? Well again as Daniel continues on. And he speaks about this kingdom being divided. And speaks about its feet. Its legs and its feet. And then he mentions the toes. Daniel chapter 2. Verse 44, it speaks of in the days of these kings. And so these ten toes speak of kings, speak of rulers. We learn in Daniel chapter 7, verse 24, Revelation chapter 17, verse 12, that the ten horns that are spoken of refer to the ten kings in this image that are also spoken of ten toes. So they all represent the same image, the same uh, thing being displayed. The ten kings, ten horns, ten toes. And so these ten toes on the feet, they represent ten kings or ten rulers. And these ten kings are given power and authority. 
And from the area where these ten kings rule will come the final Antichrist, the man of sin, the little horn of Daniel chapter 7. And they will give him their power. So we learn as this comes to the forefront, we then connect Daniel chapter 2 verse 34. A stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them into pieces. And so this image, this fierce image, this terrible image, this image is conquered, it is broken, it is destroyed by uh, the stone. And we later on will see that the stone symbolizes Christ and his coming and in his power. But this can only mean then that the fourth kingdom of Aaron Referring to Rome, must then be revived and be redeveloped. The Roman kingdom still has to reach its final form before the coming of Christ. And therefore, here is the course of the Gentiles. Daniel spoke of all these things that would take place. He knew the mind of God regarding future events. He prophesied of these things in his day what would take place. Things referring to the first coming and then to the second coming. We learn that Daniel did live to see some of them. Of course, uh, the Babylonian kingdom, the Medes and the Persians. But others were still in the future. And as we look back, we can see they have been fulfilled except the final form. Therefore, Daniel said... Of his God in chapter 2 verse 21. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. Therefore throughout the course of the Gentiles. As kingdoms have risen and kingdoms have fallen. Come and gone. They are all under the control of God's own power. It's God working out his own purposes. In matters relating to the second coming of the Lord. And therefore the point I'm making is this. When it comes to the end times. When it comes to the coming of Christ. You can trust the word of God. And you can trust the God of the word. Because all things. As Daniel wrote about. The course of the Gentiles. Things that would take place. And did take place. And yet to take place. Are all according as Revelation 17, 17 says. Until the word of God shall be fulfilled. And therefore God means what he says. And says what he means. So we have the commencement of the times of the Gentiles. Began with Nebuchadnezzar. The kingdom of Babylon. Jerusalem would be trodden down underfoot from that time. Then the course of the times of the Gentiles, it is the course of these kingdoms. Notice thirdly, the characteristics of the times of the Gentiles. Having thought about each kingdom, we learn that they represent an image that is symbolized by metals and animals. But the very feature of this image is that of a man. Daniel chapter 2 verse 32 
to 33 and verse 41 speaks of a head, his breast, his arms, his belly, his thighs, his legs, his feet and then his toes. And these are the features of a terrible man. One that frightened Nebuchadnezzar. This dream uh, shook Nebuchadnezzar. It was a terrible man. It was an evil image. But it was in the image of a man. Why? Because the times of the Gentiles are man-centered and man-exalting. It is man's rebellion against Christ. It's false worship set in the place of Christ. It's God's ways and God's word set aside. A spirit of idolatry, an evil agenda, false worship promoted. All that is attractive and appealing and accommodating to man. The times of the Gentiles are man-centered. Therefore, as we think about these kingdoms, as we think about these four empires with all their uh, wickedness, we learn of the first one, Babylon. Remember it was represented by the head of gold. Usually gold in scripture speaks of position, speaks of uh, rulers, uh, gold and all that stuff. But here when it comes to Babylon, gold symbolized worship, false worship, idols, imagery. Therefore, Babylon is the head. And the head controls the rest. It's an image. The head controls the rest of the body. So Babylon, gold, speaks of worship, false worship. The second kingdom, Mede and the Persians, with their silver, represented wealth. Again, Esther chapter 1, verse 4. The Persian king at that time was Artaxerxes. And he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom. And the honour of his excellent majesty. So there the second uh, kingdom uh, referring uh, to silver speaks of wealth. Then the third kingdom of Greece symbolised by brass. That signifies wisdom. The Greeks were known for their philosophers, uh, their wisdom. Then the fourth kingdom, Rome, described by the iron, symbolised warfare. The Romans were known for their weapons, their armory, their skill in battle. But the point is this image, these characteristics, these systems are rebellious against Christ. Seen through their false worship, their wealth, their wisdom, their warfare, all used against Christ and against his people. And these are the characteristics of the day leading to Christ's return. Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. It's interesting to note that the times of the Gentiles began with an image. Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And according to Revelation chapter 13, it will end with an image. That the the final Antichrist will set up for worship. And before the Lord Jesus Christ returns, we know that the final Antichrist, the man of sin, he will lead his army to Jerusalem for war. Zechariah chapter 14 verse 2. 
Revelation 19, verse 19. Again, the Lord said, Jerusalem will be compassed with armies. But as they march, they do not march to victory. Rather, they march to defeat and to doom. Because at that time, the king comes. Zechariah 14, verse 3. He, to fight against those nations, the Lord shall smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. And that Antichrist in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 8. He will be destroyed with the brightness of the coming of Christ. We learn his end will be cast into the lake of fire with the devil. The point is Christ is the conquering one. He is the omnipotent one. He is the all powerful one. So we learn the commencement of the times of the Gentiles, the course of the times of the Gentiles, the characteristics of the times of the Gentiles, and then finally, the conclusion of the times of the Gentiles. The Saviour said, Luke chapter 21, verse 24, Jerusalem shall be trodden down, oppressed, persecuted, ruled over, of the Gentiles on Till the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And Daniel records that fulfillment. He speaks of that time. Again in Daniel chapter 2. From verse 34 and 35. And also 44 and 45. But I'll read with you. Uh, verse 34 and 35. Thou sawest till that a stone. Was cut out without hands. Which smote the image. Upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and break them to pieces. Then was the iron and the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So the stone hewn without hands destroys the image in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And what does this stone represent? Who does this stone represent? It signifies, it represents, it points to the glorious person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his glorious return. And his kingdom. Which shall never be destroyed. It is the time. When Christ's heavenly reign. And invisible kingdom. Will be made visible on earth. His eternal kingdom. Will be manifest on earth. And Christ shall reign from Jerusalem. King of kings. And Lord of lords. He is the stone cut out of the mountain without hands. How do we know that speaks of Christ? Because Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse eight or 4 through 8, the same words that he preached in Acts chapter 4, verse 10 to 12. Acts chapter 4, verse 10 and 12, Be it known unto you all, and to all people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, 
whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This, referring to Christ, is the stone which is set up not of you, builders which, uh, of, uh, builders which became the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The same words quoted also in Isaiah 28 verse 16 and Psalm 118 verse 22. Remember the Lord Jesus in Matthew 16 verse 18 referred to himself as the rock upon which the church is built. And therefore see the importance here in Daniel chapter 2 verse 34 and verse 45. It is a stone cut out without hands, without human involvement. Because Christ is the one appointed and sent forth by divine decree. He is the most powerful. Nothing can conquer him. His kingdom can never be defeated. His kingdom can never be overthrown. He is, his rule is absolute and irresistible. There is no king whose kingdom will rule forever. Only Christ shall reign forever and forever. And therefore this stone that symbolises Christ falls down upon the feet of this image upon the toes of this image and destroys it showing the victory of Christ's coming according to Psalm 118 verse 22 to 24 Matthew 21 verse 42 Christ was the stone that was rejected and refused from his incarnation the stone that was raised at his resurrection. But at his second coming. He is the stone that is reigning and ruling. And therefore when Christ returns. The Gentile kingdoms will fall. The first uh, the false system will come to an end. Gentile domination will cease. Gentile oppression will end forever. When Christ returns to earth. Jerusalem will no longer be trodden down, but it shall be the centre of praise. And therefore, Zechariah 14, verse 9, The Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day, there shall be one Lord, and his name one. While I, there's a lot more we could mention, a lot of things we have to leave out, uh, or I'll be here another two years, but uh, but nonetheless, uh, we say in closing this: if you are listening and you're not saved, you must be ready, because the Lord is coming back, and in your unsaved state, you're not prepared for the coming of the Lord. There is salvation in none other but the Lord Jesus Christ. You must receive Him by faith alone. Or face eternal damnation. Face a lost hell. And therefore come to Christ and be saved. He will forgive you of all your sins. Believer, you rejoice because you're not just on the you're not just on the winning side. 
You're on the side that is already won. We are looking forward to the coming of Christ, his rule and reign, and we rejoice with him. We look forward to that time and we shall be forever with the Lord. When we, like Job, will say and rejoice that our Redeemer liveth and we shall see him again. And therefore, what a joy that will be when we come and he comes to Jerusalem and we come with him. What a day that will be when the Lord comes back. Rejoice, he's coming back for his name's sake. Amen.